your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ATP. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan. We are coming to you about 24 hours after Everton kicked off their final preseason friendly at Goodison Park against Dynamo Kiev. They won 3-0 or 4-0, depending on if you count the uh, lovely gesture that was made to a fan who uh, had been providing assistance to refugees in Ukraine and driving supplies back and forth, which ultimately led to a 4-0 final scoreline, but three goals scored by actual Everton players. We'll throw it to Alex. I think there was obviously some very interesting things that we saw from the the club in contrast to some of the previous matches. You know, we saw a uh, 4-0 thrashing against Minnesota United that left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, the match against Blackpool, which we've already discussed. Um, Over to you, Alex, to introduce us to uh, the post-match for Dynamo Kiev. Yeah, I mean, so it was a a good test for us, especially at that point in the preseason. They're probably you know, a stronger opponent um, than the others bar Arsenal. Um, and, you know, they're they're constantly in the UCL. It was a nice gesture from the club. You know, the proceeds going to Ukraine, as you mentioned. Um, the lineup came out. We saw Mikhalenko as captain, which was a nice gesture. Um, makes complete sense, obviously. And, and, you know, they did an interview with him to talk about how much he appreciated the support from the club, even, you know, going back through last season. So, you know, it makes, you know, it means a lot to him specifically. Um, you know, the lineup came out. It, it definitely looked straight away like a 5 Two three, which is what we've we've seen for a lot of preseason, and and the interesting thing for me was just seeing um, presumably, and, and it did play out that way. Awobi in a two man midfield with Ducore, um, but the you know we had we had some guys sitting out. Uh, Greg O'Keefe tweeted that you know the official line is that Mina, Bamin, Gomez, and Davies were all left out as a preca- precaution. He then goes on to say presumably carrying slight knocks. I you know to me. I'm not sure if that's true or not. We know that they all, whether reliable or unreliable, have had some sort of links, um, you know, to the exit door this summer. So, you know, whether they're whether they're precautions for carrying knocks or precautions for, um, you know, an eventual loan or sale is is seen to be uh, or is yet to be seen. But otherwise, it was a uh, it was a good result for Everton. Um, curious y'all's thoughts on uh, on the lineup as a whole or or the exclusions. Well, the first thing's worth noting. I mean, this is not Dynamo Kiev's top team. I mean, they, they they played. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here. I'm just saying that's what it was. Um, <laughs> well, they had already started, so they've already started in what Champions League, the second qualifying round, right? So they yes. had uh, Fenerbahce, um, who they who they beat, I think, uh, in aggregate. Um, and so, literally, those guys played three days before. So uh, two days before. So n- almost none of those guys played, including Sean Khan's hero, uh, Victor Tishganov. Sorry, buddy. Uh, but yeah, so it's worth noting that this wasn't really necessarily their their top team whatsoever. Um, I think the omissions are interesting. I think everyone's immediately like, oh, Yerry Mean is going to be hurt forever, blah, blah, blah. I, I think there's a little bit of mythology around that. But I mean, Tom Davies having a knock. I get that. You know, he struggled with fitness all last year, but... Bameen and Andre omitted. I still haven't seen anything on Bameen. Someone had said that Andre had an injury, but I've not seen anything about Bameen being hurt. So I I don't know what you guys think. Is that maybe a symbol that he's gone or maybe on the way out? I... Frank's had a chance to look at him at this point. You know, they got to make a decision on him sometime. Yeah, and we we still do need, I think, to have some outgoings. And as of yet, we haven't seen very many of those. I think 
Gomez is the most obvious one. It's been made clear, I think, in reports that he is being shopped. He's been told he can leave the club. We want to get him off the, the wage bill. Um, and he hasn't featured a single minute in our preseason so far. So um, stands to reason that the knock there is uh, more just a, a smokescreen as we look to move him along. Bamin actually has played, as have Mina and Davies. Um, Tom Davies, I haven't seen any concrete links to any clubs that are interested. He presumably would have you know suitors in the lower end of the Premier League, maybe in the championship. Who knows? But I, I have a hard time thinking he'd be moved on. Yeri Mina is the big one. Uh, we obviously have brought in James Starkowski, looking to move out another center half. I think if Everton fans had their pick, he would not be the first choice. We'd pro- ideally like to see him in blue this season, presuming he's fit. But that that is the question. Though there is mythology around it, Ryan, you can't argue with uh, the injury problems that have plagued him in recent seasons. So sure. we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to main, maintain a holding pattern, as it were. Yeah, we're a different team with him, though. So let's hope it's just a precaution. My guess is it kind of is, or else maybe something big would have already come out by now, I would think. But you never know how things are. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's all I really kind of took from those. But it was an interesting match for sure. It certainly didn't lack action at some points, other points. I mean, look, it's still a bit of a work in progress, I think. Uh, the setup was interesting and there were some great moments, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, the goals, I think, showcased a lot of maybe what we were missing last season. I mean, the first one was a beautiful long ball over the top from Tarkovsky to DCL, who hits a a pretty audacious um, header from kind of the behind and loops over the keeper. Uh, It's yet to be seen whether that was, you know, a keeper error or not, but I think it was a really good finish. So that was nice to see. And and Tarkovsky, we've seen that throughout the preseason, his range of passing. Um, and, And so that's really exciting and really important for us moving forward. The second one, obviously, you know, we, we got to see McNeil come in about, I think, between the 65th and 70th minute, uh, maybe the 67th minute or so. And uh, the second goal, like moments later, I mean, Wobie passes in the ball essentially right at the halfway line. He carries it all the way right outside the 18-yard box and fires it with the left foot into the bottom right-hand corner. It was a beautiful finish, really well-taken goal. Um, you know, he is he just glides on the ball, which is fun to see. And then, of course, moments later, um, Vinagri, the, uh, the new loan signing from left wing back swings in a beautiful cross to McNeil who heads it home very calmly, um, to get a brace on his debut. So Goodison Park was rocking at, at three nil. It was really good to see McNeil with a, with a double on his, on his debut. Um, especially since, you know, we'll, we'll obviously dive into his stats from last year, but they're not necessarily, um, appealing to say the least. So overall, um, you know, a lot of positive signs for for how we can kind of progress the ball and, and score some different types of goals this coming season. Yeah, it was really good to see McNeil make that that instant impact with basically demonstrating kind of what his strengths are. Right. He's a big guy. He, he can be useful in the air for us just based on his height uh, and willingness to get into the box. And then that left foot that uh, is going to be such a weapon for us, hopefully this season, um, ideally coming in off the right, which by all accounts, uh, seems to be the plan, at least to start uh, using him off the right so he can cut inside. And you saw what that left foot can do. Long may it continue. Hopefully it becomes more of an offensive weapon for him versus when he's on the left and is maybe more used to cross the ball and create for others, but hopefully get some more uh, goal contributions from him. Um, and just generally, again, uh, Venegra, good to see him getting involved, getting up the pitch, saw a little bit of explosiveness to beat a man, get across into the box and uh, McNeil on the end of it. And then, the, as you said, Alex, Tarkowski's uh, ability to spray pass is long. And as you, as you alluded to, things we were missing, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the big miss, 
good to see him. I thought he looked pretty bright, lively, very fit. Um, so all positive things to take away from yesterday. How do you guys think we looked in the shape? I mean, you felt like we looked a little more comfortable in that kind of three four three building up. Way I mean, more comfortable. Yeah, defended a little bit more in the five sometimes when they, they had some control during the match, and they did. I mean, obviously, you're having a two-man midfield. Sometimes that's going to happen. But, yeah, I thought we looked a, a lot more comfortable. Um, anyone? I mean, do you think that had to do with the, the duo? Because Wobi Decore is certainly a more attack-minded two. I, I think some people probably would question whether Alex Wobi can really play, at least defensively. And I, and I actually think he he... Was fa- I mean, he was fantastic with the ball I mean, and off the ball when we were in possession. I think there was exploitable moments with him in there. I, I just don't think they quite had the weapons and the talent to exploit them. So it kind of worked out fine. But curious your thoughts on that pairing. And I, I don't think we'll see that going forward. But I mean, it was entertaining for sure. Yeah, it's just interesting to see it will be used in that role. And, and you know, we've seen Lampard trying different guys in different spots. Another one that was interesting was was seeing Delhi in kind of like a false nine role towards the end of the match. I think just like the other day against Blackpool, which looked pretty good. I think he had the, the brace Definitely. against Blackpool in that role. Um, you know, we, we've talked about extensively where he could fit as well. So um, and, and it's no it's no surprise that we we need uh, new central midfielders. I think the entire fan base is is kind of aligned with, with that. Um, so it makes sense. I, as you said, though, I really don't know if that's a long term thing or not. Maybe just yeah. a possibility. I don't think there's well, any question about, you know, uh, Decore and Awobi's combined work rate and ability to cover ground in terms of the comfort within the formation. Um, I think any way you can get Alex or Wobie central and on the ball more often in those areas where he can pick passes. I mean, he was spraying the ball wide into space really effectively, retaining possession really well. I, I also question whether that's a sustainable position for him long term. But um, I, I did agree that we looked more comfortable. You can see that when guys vac- are vacating space and leaving areas open, the team seems to be more aware of how to adjust the shape to compensate for that, allowing Awobi and Decore to get forward more. And the uh, extra bodies in defense um, help support that uh, ability to push forward with the ball, which seems to be kind of what Frank would like to do. So overall, very pleased with that. Uh, Ryan, you were going to add something? Yeah, I, I think the midfield was the obvious one to kind of target. I, I mean, Awobi was just fantastic i think he even led the team in recoveries with eight uh some of the numbers are up there at least kind of on y scout um but yeah his ball movement his ability to pass the ball forward and find people was just i mean it was borderline ridiculous uh he just looks totally transformed when he plays on that side and it just goes to show you if he's played down the middle in some capacity how much he truly offers again it's against dynamo kiev's b team i get that um but knowing that that could be an option for us at some point during the year is valuable. I mean, because we've seen that he can play multiple positions anyway. That's one that maybe most people might say, eh, I don't know if that's really the right one for him. But knowing that he could do it potentially against a weaker opponent, I thought was encouraging. To me, I, I think it's interesting to watch the, the back line as well as kind of the wings themselves. I mean, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, other than the header, was Maybe a little bit wasteful, but you know, you're only as good kind of as, as the service in that particular formation. I mean, truly, because he's really top of the spear. So I'm curious what you guys think, how the wingers looked. I know I've been accused of being overly critical of Anthony Gordon at times. I strongly disagree with that. I think we're totally objective around it. I'm excited about him this year. I think he looks better, but I think he was pretty wasteful. Um, he had lots of opportunities and I just felt like 
Damari Gray was a little bit dangerous on the right. I know he likes the left better, or at least that's what he told me at the training thing on Thursday, uh, which is a fun conversation Sick to have. Brag. Uh, you know, it was cool, man. Gordon talked a lot about it too. These guys are so engaging, man. I what an event. But I, I don't I don't know if we've really settled on what our three are gonna be. And I have to admit, I think as a collective bunch, I'm not so sure those three like I felt like they should have generated more offense. Um, obviously someone like Nick Ely, you bring him on, he's fresh and he's been training too. So he should be fully fit in terms of conditioning. Um, but they just look more dynamic and, and, and Deli Ali is interesting in that false nine. Now, eventually they flipped him over to the left and block and brought Rondon on, um, Rondon who got subbed out too. I mean, seriously, you couldn't even finish the half. <laughs> is that true? Who did he get sub out for the penalty? Paul? Yeah, the he penalty did. Yeah. Guy? That's he did funny. Yeah. Uh, may, uh, anyway, I actually may have been Deli Ali. Anyway, the point is like. Now you're starting to look at maybe Deli Ali when we need to pinch in, like when we need to play, like we saw that gap last year against Watford playing a 3-4-3 where we had a problem where the midfield was so far away from the center forward. And instead of going to a three-man midfield, he tried to kind of pinch in those guys from the outside. Well, you start to think about a guy like Deli Ali or a Wobie or maybe even McNeil who can kind of cut in on his left and score from distance. Like that's now an option. I think those those guys are better options if you need to do that, especially with the five sub role. I don't know. I mean, if you guys had to start tomorrow, who are you starting up top? I mean, Dom's going to start up top, but who do you place on the sides? Mm. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I think, and, and this, this is a good not, question, isn't it? I mean, well, no, I mean, I have a pretty clear answer. Like I, and, and this is not just based on like a, a brace. I don't think, but um, I think it's clear. Like McNeil looked really good on the right. Uh, Gordon, in my opinion, has been underwhelming in preseason. I think we all agree he shouldn't have got the minutes he got last season, nor did anyone expect him to. It was out of bare necessity. The raw stats, you know, weren't that great. He got the number 10. That's exciting. Um, dyed his hair. That's even better, apparently. <laughs> but but in reality, I mean, my, my, my vote would be gray left, DCL up top, and McNeil on the right to start the season. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, we've talked about Gordon's explosiveness and hashtag verticality. Which is which is you know very effective against tired legs. Um, that that would be my my front three. Uh, what about you, James? Yeah, I, I mean I'd agree with that. I think Gordon moving, and I, I tweeted this last night. I think best thing for him and best thing for the club would be for Gray or even Deli Ali to be starting on that left wing. And then when we know Gray struggle oftentimes struggles to play a full ninety minutes at full pace. Um, sub him off around the sixty five seventieth when his legs start to get tired. You bring on Anthony Gordon who brings some similar things. Uh, in terms of what you can offer, but uh, fresh legs at tired defenses. Um, I, I'm with you both. I've been very underwhelmed with him. Still looks like he's trying too hard, waiting too long, dawdling too long on the ball. I think both him and Gray have been subject to that quite a bit. I see a little um, more sauce from him, though. Like, I, yeah, honestly, oh, I, I think it's start, the meg, the light's starting man. to come on. He's got on. the nutmegs. Yeah, the light's starting to come on a little bit, but, you know, the production's normally going to come a little after, I think. Alex, you were yeah. going to jump in and say something? or not um <laughs> not uh, see i would go the other way I, I just don't think you could take a Wobi out so i'm thinking starting it's chelsea i would put a Wobi left um mm-hmm. and have gray and gordon kind of coming off the bench maybe and put mcneil out right um but i think the problem is who do you play in the midfield so if you're going to go for three four three and you're going to be behind the ball more often than not i don't think you want a Wobi in there in that central midfield yeah. he just doesn't He's not a. I mean, he works really hard, of course, but his awareness isn't perfect. I don't understand why people now have suddenly started to turn against uh, Decore. I mean, Decore was mm. all over the freaking pitch last night. I mean, are you kidding me? He was all over. Like uh, people don't understand. Like that helped facilitate Awobi's freedom to go forward in the way he did. I mean, that that wasn't. There's no coincidence there. I, I just don't. What did he do wrong? 
I mean, what are you expecting him to do? I mean, he's in essence supporting Alex Wobe. He's absolutely running the show um, for for a reason. I mean, I just I would love to know the numbers in terms of the ground that Decorey covered last night. I, I think it's phenomenal, and you need some industry. So, it, and and it looks like Alon's not there yet. Otherwise, I'd say those two are the right people to play kind of behind the ball until we get a legitimate six. I think that can play into two as well. I mean, I that, that's why I would say it will be on the left because I don't think I don't think you can't take Alex Wobie out of the lineup at this point, can you? No, that's a fair point. Uh, well, it's nice to be having these sort of difficult it's uh, good to have discussions options, right? and debates that are actually, you know, legitimate where we have we have options, as you said, Ryan. And, and in terms of the Decore stuff, I mean, it felt like th- there was a lot of that criticism being levied towards him towards the end of last season as well. Like he he's all over the place. People say he's not a good passer of the ball, which is just empirically not true like his numbers are passing accuracy and everything is great maybe not always yeah. the most accurate in terms of progression but we we talked about it in the squad assessment we progressed it so poorly as an entire team that it feels very unfair to single out um, the guy who whose industry was a big part of what helped us survive last season um, and I think in, in a two-man midfield he's one of the players that we have of our current crop of midfielders that's better suited to succeed in a two-man midfield just based on the amount of ground he can cover, even if it's not ideal. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, and and, and lastly, just about the match itself before we kind of move on to outgoings, incomings, and and uh, upcoming transfer rumors, we had uh, quite a few pitch invaders at the end of the match. Um, after all, our friend uh, Paul Stratton got on to take the penalty. Uh, you know, at that point in time, uh, Dinamo Kiev was also supposed to be doing like lap of honor, which I think was kind of disrupted because of it. We know that, you know, the fans were, were, were storming the field at the end of last season, but um, you know, the FA, the premier league um, they've all, you know, put out statements saying that this coming season, you're, you know, you're getting bans. If you're getting out onto the pitch, it's not going to be tolerated. It happened. A lot of fans were slating it. And then Everton today put out an official statement saying that it will not be tolerated. And they stand with, you know, the FA and the premier league. Um, so hopefully just as a general statement that, you know, fans cool it on, on the invasions, you know, not only, not only for themselves and, and not getting a ban, but also because you can kind of tell it, it, it becomes very uncomfortable for players. And, and, uh, you know, even Frank made the comment after the match that his daughters got to come to the match today and, and he had them stay home towards the end of last season, just because <laughs> of how lively, you know, the crowd had been. Um, so all real effects, you know, personally and, and to the club and team. So hopefully, you know, that will cease before uh, the match, before the upcoming match, the start of the season. It, it's just embarrassing a little bit. To, it is. In the Palace thing last year, obviously the incredible release of emotion. If it was ever justified, that is a time when it's justified. But in a preseason friendly, when the team's doing a lap of honor, it, and it's now, I guess, consecutive home matches, so to speak, where we've stormed the pitch in in what's in a, in a, a meaningless fixture. There's no real justification for it. You saw a lot of young kids on the pitch. It's just well, a safety I, concern, and it's it's a problem to me. Yeah, it's a problem, but my guess is it's a little bit what happens in, in other sports in a preseason match. You know, it's not the same people that are there all the time in their season tickets that can kind of police themselves a little bit. Um, but, yeah, what, what are you thinking? Like, I don't get that at all. That is a really strange behavioral thing and hopefully it's done I, I can't imagine the packed house in the regular season will be like that um any last thoughts on the match the only only other topic i want to hit was the um the two wide center center halves godfrey and um tark i'm curious how you guys thought 
in particular, Ben looked because a couple times he ran forward with the ball and you're like, yeah, that we need that, you know, and, and Tark's passing was pretty good. I, I was not happy that Jordan Pickford still continued to probably hoof more balls than he should have. And Tarkowski's good at finding the number six, but Keen was not, um, Godfrey was not either. And, and that to me is a real problem. I mean, when DeCorey's dropping back, you've got to get him the ball to control a match. And while I think their vertical passing was shockingly accurate, um, I just don't think that's a recipe for success against top teams. I think top teams will eat that up. And and I don't think Ben or Tarkowski is a good medium kind of short range passer. I think the long passing was good last night, but I just don't think that's a thing that we're going to be able to pull off consistently. And I, I just, Yeri's really good at it. So if you put him in there, he'll find the six, but I just think the possession starts with that. And that's the only thing that really concerns me. And Godfrey is still way too inconsistent with his passing. I mean, the back pass he put out for a corner at one point, you're like, how can you be? Yeah. And I don't know if he just needs reps in that position because it's not a familiar one with them. You know what I mean? I mean, weren't you guys a little concerned about that, even though they passed well, it just kind of is the forebear of bad things, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's not even a surprise, right? We, we knew that. We knew what we needed in a profile. And, and the profile of center back, we really didn't have other than Mina. Um, Holgate was no exception. He came on, had another really bad oh, short pass, just like he did, so I think, bad, in another dude. match this preseason, maybe two. Oh, that so was, yeah, that was it's not surprising, really... and it, it sucks to see. But, you know, I'm just hanging my hat on hopefully, you know, hoping Tarkovsky can at least, you know, offer some positives there. Now, yeah, as been, a positive, oh, go ahead, James. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say I, I've been pleasantly surprised with with what I've seen from Tarkowski so far um, in terms of his distribution. But I, I agree, you know, the opposition you have to take into account: is he going to be able to be pinging balls all over the pitch when we're playing Chelsea? Obviously, unlikely. But Ben Godfrey is one that I do. I'm starting to have some some more serious concerns about. You know, you see those moments of brilliance when he drives the ball forward 40, 50 yards, and then just an errant pass that makes renders the whole sequence pretty useless um and his ability you know probably one of our better in theory more definitely more athletic and and pacey defenders and ability to defend in open space but is he going to be well suited to this sort of possession based style that frank wants to implement um where does he rank in terms of uh is he our, our third best center back well then that might be a bit of a problem for everton uh should we see mina have any sort of injury issues this season um, he really hasn't played a ton of center half for Everton, even though he's been here almost three years. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I mean, maybe having the two steady Eddies next to him, you know, Tark and Mina might be helpful. I'm I'm still also a little concerned with Patterson. I, I don't think he really had much of an impact on the match. But defensively, I thought he actually looked a little more sound. So I thought that was a positive. Mikalinko was fine. So, all right, transitionings. Some good news, I think. It's weird to say an outgoing is a good news, but we've sent a couple people on loan. Um, Ellis Sims is going to Sunderland and Tyler Onyango signed a new deal and is on loan to Burton Albion. Apparently he played today uh, to some mixed reviews. He's the one I'm most concerned about. I think league one is good for him. He's an, he's a little inconsistent, which from a physical standpoint, I mean, the guy's a tree, you know, <laughs> he's huge. And like lots of kids that are kind of bigger and taller, this is my defense of the tall people, of course. Um, sometimes there's a little more inconsistencies and and some of them tend to develop a little later. Um, so hopefully he'll continue to get chances. He has, I think, a pretty high ceiling as a player, but I think he's pretty inconsistent. The Ellis Sims one is interesting. If he gets a chance, that's the level, right? And I think if he plays well, we know he can score goals. We know he's very smart and his movement's very good. I mean, at, at almost a Premier League level, those things. Is he quick of feet? He's a little, little lumbering. 
Um, some of the rest of his game, his hold up play has gotten better, but is it good enough? So I, I think it's going to be, if he kicks on, we'll have to make a decision. I mean, do you stick with him or do you sell him? If But if he kicks on, I think it could be either lucrative to the club or help us dramatically in going forward because he's got that one thing. That's the hardest thing to find in a center forward. And that's he can freaking put the ball in the back of the net. Probably the right level for both these guys. Don't you guys think? Yeah, I would say so. And, and, and it's just positive to see, you know, some, some of our young promising guys going out on loan. I know that was a problem in you know, in recent years with just inflated youth wage structures. And so we couldn't get buy off from other clubs and then they just sat in the U23s to rot. So, um, you know, I like the levels for both of them. I like the fact that they're both going on loan. Hopefully we'll see a couple more. You know, I think, I think Nathan Broadhead was, you know, kind of linked to Sunderland as well. So, um, but why don't we transition to, uh, to our two new signings so far other than Tarkovsky? Yeah, let's do it because we did a transfer rumors episode last week and then basically everyone we talked about uh, had a, a NA applied next to their name because we made two signings that we did not talk about. And those are, we'll start with uh, the new fan favorite of Everton Football Club after his brace yesterday. And that is Dwight McNeil coming to us uh, from Burnley, 22 years old, signs a five-year deal, uh, rumored to be a 15 million a pound transfer fee with potential 5 million in add-ons as well. Um, for those that aren't familiar with McNeil's background, uh, he did an interview with the club, but he came up through Man U's Academy, moved to Burnley at age 14, um, was moved out to a wing position, and was has basically played almost four full seasons of Premier League football with Burnley as a consistent starter. So, a lot of Premier League experience at a young age, and uh, maybe not in the style of football that we hope to see going forward, obviously Sean Dyche ball. So questions about that, but I think the, the, the optimist in amongst the Everton fan base would say, okay, well now you can see what this guy can really do when he's not going to have to be defending 75% of the time and really uh, potentially play on the right, which is something he hasn't historically done a ton of uh, more commonly used off the left. I think it's something that we intend to use him differently. Uh, and, and some people maybe were surprised about that or thought we were going to buy him as a wingback or something ridiculous like that. But I, I agree with that assessment. I think he does profile better on the right. Uh, the challenge there is you take away maybe a little bit of the crossing, but not too much, because if he's going to take set pieces, that's truly his gift. He's created a lot of set pieces. He can really bend a ball. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Sigurdsson sometimes would take those longer distance free kicks and almost bend it backwards, you know, and it was really a target for them. He, this is what McNeil did with the left boot kind of against Burnley or with Burnley. So I, I, I think, but the, the context of playing in a Burnley squad versus the context of how he'll play with us. I think he saw it last night. I mean, he was playing higher up the pitch. So at Burnley, one, one big element is he had under two touches in the penalty area per 90 for them. So you can't sit there and say, well, why didn't you score goals? Well, well why do you think? You know, not as many chances. So people are going to sit there and say, well, you know, goals and, and one assist last year in, in a Burnley squad. But OK, first things first, he didn't score goals because he wasn't up higher in the pitch. It's not like he can't crack a shot with his left. I mean, did he look like he couldn't shoot last night? Right. Pretty well taken. Um, but the one assist thing, I know you guys have heard me say it a million times, but I'm so going to say it times. again. <laughs> assists do. are dumb. It's a dumb, dumb stat. Stop using it. I mean, look, the guy's had five, six, six assists, five, six, five assists the last three years. And he had one last year. Why do you think that happened? It's because the stat is dumb. I mean, his XA was 4.8. In fact, he had three matches where he had expected assist values of over 0.5. 
And it was hysterical. I went back and watched all those key passes. It's like two posts. Another one hit off a defender, fell to one of their players who knocked it in, but you don't get an assist for that. So it's just, it's all absurd, really. It's just kind of a silly, like, so, so I, here's the, here are the numbers that I think that matter because you got to think of the Burnley team and what he was asked to do. All right. Number one, 47 key passes. So many of these are from a set piece, by the way, that's also synonymous for chances created, which again, dumb, by the way, terminology wise, like chances. What does that even mean? That. A key pass is something that leads to a shot. Let's just call it that for God's sakes. I just, oh, I hate the, the worst is big chances. Anyway, sorry. Continuing on. Okay. Um, his ability to carry the ball. We saw that last night. Did we not? Oh yeah. Big time. Right. And uh, so in Burnley, obviously he's not carrying into the final third, but he is carrying it through the middle third. So he led the team in, in progressive carry distance, 109 yards per 90, almost six progressive carries a match. No one had more than four on Burnley yet. His dispossession numbers was under two per 90. His miscontrols was like 1.28. Like that's very low. He takes good care of the ball. And that's been something we struggled with for a long time. Like anyone can get all these great carry numbers if they don't care, take care of the ball. I mean, so what's most important? I mean, clearly taking care of the ball. And I was just going to say he did. He, he achieved those numbers in a side that was horrible at retaining possession. Some of the lowest possession. I mean, not as quite as bad as us, maybe, or right around us, but um, the ability, the the ability to retain possession is going to be so critical as we move to this more uh, possession based style. Redundant there, but excited to see what he can do with better players around him. Needless to say, yeah, and I mean, look, you know what he was asked to do, he did well. He was sitting back farther. He had forty eight passes in the penalty area. That doesn't include set pieces. That's eighteenth the entire Premier League on Burnley. Wow, you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, look, the concerns about him is that he, he doesn't have elite pace and maybe he doesn't, although I would say with the ball, he's very fast relative to how fast he is in real life. I mean, it's very clean. His first touch is clean and the crossing is so good. I mean, keep in mind, this guy had 26 completed crosses into the penalty area that tied for first again, does not include set pieces that tied for first in the entire premier league with Trent Alexander Arnold. So that's kind of like, so why would you play him on the right wing? If you're taking, taking it away from him because he doesn't score goals. But again, I think it's what does the team need, you know, and and that's what's most important. And I think he does project better on the right. Um, look, I, I think Everton would have loved to take a run at a couple other guys, but I think the price is very good here. I mean, to me, you're, you're getting value and still also getting a chance for growth. That's the way I look at it. Do I think he's going to be a world beater? Do I think he's going to score 10 goals next year? No, probably not. But I think he'll be productive and I think he'll help. And he's only 22 um, I think it's a good move. It's just hard to tell because the wages don't look big, right? The price seems okay. And I don't know our overall budget. You know what I mean? Because you'd love to go real big and right wing. You'd love to have freaking Anthony from Ajax coming to us in 80 million because he's spectacular. And that's great. If we're not in position to do that. And you know, you still need a defensive mid. You got to be smart about these things too. And it looked like Morgan Gibbs white was going to be very expensive. I, I think he maybe was, was our our second choice after maybe Brennan Johnson, who we knew that wasn't going to happen the second they got you know promoted. So um, I, I don't know. I think he, he looked great last night, but I'm excited to see what he can do. I think the change will do him a lot of good. And that's what people should really think about in my opinion. Yeah, no. And, and just to, just to wrap up the Dwight McNeil ta- uh, uh, talk with a couple cherry pick stats, according to his FB ref, um, you know, versus attacking mids and wingers, he has a really, really good defensive output, um, with tackles and that's that's illustrated you know apparently he's within the top five he's actually third for most tackles one last season among u23 players in europe's top five leagues and that's you know that's playing on the outside mid exactly what we want something that we always talked about richarlison was so good at whether that was from the outside or up top you know he had 90 successful dribbles in the pl only alan st maximin had more 
Um, and last, well, and lastly, we talked about the fact that he had um, created 47 chances. But the interesting part about that is that was more than any other EFC player last season and placed him among the top 25 creators in the league. So all positive cherry picked stats as they usually are. And I think it paints the picture we all want to see. Can I just call out real quick before we move on? And this is unrelated, but 90 successful dribbles in the Premier League behind yeah. Alan St. Maximin, who had 150. I left that I mean, on purpose, too. Oh, my God. It's Insane. absurd. He was like that when he was, you know, before before he even came to the Premier League. And you'd look at, like, it was like Eden Hazard and, like, him. And it, it's, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. And and more more um, nice headbands um, with big brand names than anyone else, too. Indeed. Indeed. Let's uh, let's switch gears here and move on to... Ruben Vinagre is have we, have we deli- I keep calling him vinegar. Um, it's it's hard. Vinaigrette, not to. maybe I don't. You know. Yeah, uh, I'm twenty three years old. To criticize anyone's pronunciation, Ryan. Continue. Ryan has the phonetic pronunciation. I try. Here, I do. He does. You know what? I've explained this. It's because when you're listening and watching games, sometimes from different feeds, you've got announcers that aren't speaking English, so you just hear the names, and so. I mean, you'll have like a Russian announcer watching a Portuguese game, you know, and I'm trying to pronounce it in English. That's my at least defense. That's my. No, it's fair. I mean, you often hear as many as four different pronunciations for any any player's name. So, you know, as long as you know, as long as the the listener knows who we're talking about, I think we've done our job. Uh, But regardless, Vinagre, 23 years old, uh, on loan from sporting with an option to buy wages rumored to be quite low. Around 15K a week is what we saw. A very reasonable. Um, over the course of a couple seasons, made 35 Premier League appearances for Wolves, which is where many of our audience might remember him from before he was uh, moved back to Portugal. Has been loaned around quite a bit, struggling to find a, a long-term home. But uh, from everything that I've read and everything that I've seen from him, he seems better suited for a wing-back position versus a true left-back. And uh, he, he, I think, fills a need for us. Obviously, no depth in that position after Mikalenko unless we want to go back to the Ben Godfrey at left back well which I don't know about you guys but I am all too happy to leave in the past yeah and that, that clearly I think the move maybe means uh the end for Niels and Kunku isn't that right Ryan that's how I look at it I mean look I, I think you got a player who maybe he's not the greatest player in the world but he's still young he does some good things you saw that he can serve a ball he works really hard he'll get up and down the pitch um, that well, obviously is comfortable with him. Having brought him into wolves, uh, knows his character and, and look, I just think bring him on cheap wage. You've got the option to buy. You don't have to, um, he provides kind of the depth and backup. I think he could probably play a more traditional left back better than Niels could any, he, but he's still more comfortable as a wing back. Maybe even gives us something that Mikalinko doesn't always give us, which is okay. You know, that that's, you need a little different options. I think also, if you're really chasing a game and you don't want to change systems, you could obviously bring him in at the left wing back and bring Mikalinko in as kind of a left center back if you wanted to, because he's, you know, intelligent and smart in terms of how he defends and moves the ball. Um, the low wage is a good point. Yeah. I mean, my, my viewpoint is this, if you could sell Niels for a couple million, knowing he's got one year left anyway, Frank's not convinced by him. I, I think we've done pretty, pretty darn well here. And, and look, I, you guys saw him in preseason. I mean, he is, he is what he is. He's a front foot guy. He's an incredible athlete. He's both footed, but he's sloppy. He's reckless. He's not very positionally aware. Um, I, I think he has some flaws. And I think another team that's looking for a kind of a dare to be great situation, I think would maybe take a chance on this guy. Cause he really does have like athleticism out, out, out the roof. 
size, strength. He's got a lot of things. He's just not there yet. And we got one more year. And I, I just, I'm sure the wages he's asking for, knowing we're in a Premier League club, it's just a cost benefit doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, we get a cheaper cost profile, get a couple dollars in the door. And I think we probably get better on the pitch personally. I mean, that's not, I, I mean, I don't think a whole lot to argue there other than maybe you're missing the opportunity to, for a guy that could really realize it. I, I just, I just think can't hardwire a guy's brain. Like he can't change how he thinks. And I just think his fundamental decision-making at times isn't there. And I don't know how much that will ever improve. And I think this type of system is not very good. Like if you put him in a Red Bull type system where it's just front foot forward. You don't have to think as much and you could just go and play. Uh, that might work, but I, I don't know if he's ever really going to work in the Frank thing. So I, I like this move. I'm with you, Ryan. I mean, I, I think we're seeing some very uh, pragmatic moves, and this is this is one of those. We'll wait to see what happens if we do. In responsible, fact, James. Like, yes, responsible. fiscally responsible too. I think. Yes, agreed, agreed. Um, to have a backup who we don't know how much he'll feature, but regardless, even if it's just a small handful of games uh, for 15k a week, you're you're very much okay with that from a co- cost profile standpoint. We'll move on now to the last couple of rumors. These are things that uh, either were alleged to or are alleged to be currently happening or were alleged and have since been disproven. Uh, the first of which, which seems to be uh, very much on, is that Everton are continuing to step up their pursuit of Adrissa Ghanagay, returning him to Goodison Park from Paris Saint-Germain. Um, and I think this is uh, a very nostalgic move for some Blues, one that I think he left on good terms and... Even though he's 30 years old right now, uh, the rumor is that PSG are very eager to sell him first and foremost, and that we, I think, were initially looking at a loan move, but recently talks have shifted to a potential two or three year deal, or at least that's what his agents are looking for. So go to Alex. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on a potential Ghana Gay return? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I saw a funny stat the other day that suggested, you know, Ghana Gay has more tackles for Everton than than any current Everton players, and yet he left many moons ago. Um, I think that Ghana probably strengthens our midfield. Um, I think it's rumored that that the transfer itself, although a permanent, could be uh, a, a, a free transfer in terms of, of cost, um, just to get his wages off the books. I think if we can cut a good deal on wages, and, and it's like a two-year deal, for example, it could make a lot of sense. Um, I think he understands you know, the culture of of the club. He embraced it when he was here. He really put his head down. Um, he was a big fan favorite. And, you know, I, I think just to go off what Ryan and, and you both kind of, you know, talked about just pragmatism, you have to be smart. We have to understand that, you know, there could be other deals in the future. Um, you know, Ghana improves the midfield, gives us a, a different type of option than we have, I think. Um, and, and he may have the ability to make others around him better, which I think is really what we're looking for at a bare minimum from that position. It's a function of wages to me, because I think he's still a very good player, honestly. Um I loved him when he was at Everton. I'm not even going to get into the whole, you know, yeah, the rainbow thing. I, I just don't because I think it's that's so complicated. You know, you're dealing with like you're representing the country and there's governmental issues. And, and I, I, you know, so I don't want to address that because I think it's I, I don't know. I, you know, who knows what's in the guy's heart? So I'm not going to get into that. But as a player, um, he's still quite good. He takes care of the ball. He always really has. Um, but if he's on a big wage, again, I always bring this up, you know, when you start extrapolating that wage over time and you start asking the questions, could we use that to pay, you know, a low fee for someone on a lower wage, a younger player. But in this instance, we really need someone that can come in and play right away. And, and you're looking at whoever we bring in has to be better than say the next optimal choice, which is probably like Alon as a six and he's not even fit yet or Decore 
or Bameen, really, Bameen. And so if Frank's not decided on Bameen, what do you do there? Now, maybe, maybe what happens is we bring him in. Maybe the wage is reasonable, you know, maybe. And we get some sales and that frees us up to maybe make a buy at the end of the deadline. I don't know, but I got to admit, it kind of does answer all our immediate needs on the, on the team. I just, God, you know, you want to be building towards something, but maybe after last year, we just need to solidify the team. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? He's still I mean, very lo- good, though. He's still very good. The low-hanging fruit is like we never replaced him. We tried replacing him with Bameen, and we're ultimately going to replace him with himself, but oh, he's also geez. been away. I hate that, though. We did, Of course we tried to replace him. We no, no, Bameen. no, I know. We I, bought Delph. We had Schneiderlin. Like, people are just so, we never replaced Ghana. Like, come on. It's, I mean, the whole point was buying Bameen to sit back and have Silva play differently. I mean, I just, sorry, Ryan, but it irritates me. Like, that's, that's not what happened. It's the low-hanging fruit, man. It's not necessarily <laughs> true, happened. but it's the easy thing to say. They will not and stand it's easy for to any get fruit. you riled up. I, I think no it's fruit. silly. It's you're just right. You're right. It is. And, and, and frankly, look, he, he immediately, I think, improves our options in midfield. I don't think uh, assuming the wages are right. Uh, I think it can make sense on a short term deal. I'd hate to see us get suckered into a three or four year deal for a guy of his age. Um, and I do agree with Ryan, the sentiment that I'd, I'd prefer, in theory, to take a punt on a younger guy with a higher ceiling. But given the situation, given the critical need of a defensive midfielder um, of his of of that skill and someone to immediately step in an impact i'm all in favor of this move um as, you know off the pitch stuff personal opinions on uh that stuff aside as ryan said i, I don't want to speculate it, it certainly seems at odds with some of the the cultural elements of the club in terms of inclusivity it's but a little concerning right James? i think I, mean, I, we, I think you, so yeah i think i think he should be asked those questions when he arrives i think that's totally reasonable to uh expect him to to expand on and and hopefully he does um, and has a, a reasonable explanation. But, you know, the, the optics of that, I don't think are super great. The other piece to that news from Greg O'Keefe and, and others, um, other reliable sources uh, today was the fact that Everton are, are supposedly not going to try and sign Ross Barkley. I know there's been a lot of hoopla, people torn on the issue. You know, why are, why are we thinking about bringing Ross Barkley back? He supposedly, allegedly, uh, you know, put his Everton Instagram pictures back up, which is frankly alarming because now he loves us again i guess um you know i think he did an interview saying like people didn't understand what was happening at the time as to why i left um i think so how, are you, how are you feeling i think you got baited by a fake graphic. i might have that's why i said allegedly <laughs> that's that's completely fair but he- <laughs> that's okay they've been flying around it's silly season man those types of quotes are flying everywhere and everyone's been having a lot of fun with them um ryan i'll let you go to your one-liner here on ross barkley because i think he doesn't improve us at all i i I think people don't realize what type of player he is anymore seriously people still think this is this guy dancing around with the ball blowing people blowing by people and still able to magically capture the the way he played before it's not going to happen man i mean he was already changing by the time he was at the end of his everton career so that player is gone and people need to accept that whether it's because his hamstring is blown up whether it's just a mentality thing, I don't know what it is, but he just seems more content to be sit back and kind of ping balls around. He'll carry the ball through the middle of the midfield with no if no one's really contesting him. He just he doesn't have it, man. He doesn't have that that top end pace anymore. He doesn't have the explosiveness. So I just don't think he helps us in any way. I mean, he's I, I don't even get it. That being said, I mean, I do think there's maybe an opportunity knowing how we're kind of using Deli Ali a little differently and Awobi differently to maybe have a younger kind of creative midfielder in there that could some get a chance or maybe they put Tom Davies in that role. I, I don't know, but I mean, this never made any sense to me whatsoever. I don't think it improves us in one iota. I, I teed you up for the one-liner that you have in here, which is uh, a Bar- <laughs> Barkley move is dumb, but I uh, appreciate the uh, expansion upon that thought. 
Um, for me, for me, yeah, I, I'm okay with one nostalgia signing and Adrissa Gay. Uh, that is I've been playing for PSG, getting Champions League minutes, contributing age profile. He's still good. Sense. Yes, precisely. He's still good. Barkley no longer good, and therefore would just be a uh, bizarre move on all fronts and would just purely be a nostalgia signing. I've seen people say he would walk into our team, be the first name on the team sheet. Preposterous in every every possible sense. Uh, makes no sense. He's not the player he was. He never will be again. And uh, some doors are better left shut in the past. So I'm all for that. Um, the last couple rumors before we wrap up here. I know we got to get out. So we have uh, potential interest still in Billy Gilmore. I've seen Broha rumors still floating around. And also, again, if we're winding the clock back to a couple of years ago, still being linked with uh, Mishu Bachuai. So that's always fun to just see these things persist. Although we did see McNeil rumored for quite some time before he eventually signed. So as we said before, it's silly season. Who the heck knows? But uh, we will keep you updated and comment on anything that ends up being concrete. Before we wrap, gentlemen, any final thoughts? No, I, just, I, I look forward to the season starting probably naively as such. Um, and, <laughs> and I hope that our transfer window manifests itself in every way we want it to possible or else. I'm still concerned about getting that defensive bid in, you know, because I just feel like that's the one place. And I just am struggling to see who the second guy would be in with the Corey if we go 3-4-3 against Chelsea. So I'm hoping that happens sooner rather than later. I'm pretty confident that we got another one coming. I think it's probably Ghana. But if not, I know it's a defensive mid. I'm almost positive about that. So that's good. It just, God, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Um, And we'll see. We'll see how it happens. Then it's about outs, right? And um, we'll be on the case here at the American Toffee Podcast as it happens. We will indeed, and it is now, at time of recording, uh, less than one full week until Everton kick off the season against Chelsea, and as others have said, and in the words of Michael Scott from The Office, no question about it, I am ready to be hurt again. We will uh, be with you following that Chelsea match, and uh, looking forward to seeing Everton kick off the season, hopefully with a bang and a victory. Um, Until then, we appreciate you listening. As a reminder, please follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP, or find all of our links to our podcast socials, et cetera, at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. All those links are in the description. And as a reminder, it helps us out a ton if you leave us a rating and review uh, on your podcast platform of choice. We appreciate you very much. Until next time, up the toffees. <laughs>